Everybody. Welcome to the True Crime Squad. I'm Christy Brower here with my sister and co-host and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. Well, I'm good. I've been listening uh, for the last hour, of course, to the Delphi arguments in the Indiana Supreme Court. Yeah, me too. Uh, we left it a little early uh, during the rebuttals, but it's just about done. Yeah, it is. It's getting close. Yeah. And Very interesting stuff going on over there. Some really yeah. good questions by the justices mm -hmm. for Judge Gold's attorney, I think. I mm -hmm. I don't know. I, and they're doing a good job of asking the questions that protect Richard Allen's rights. And that's yeah. what is the most important here. I think. The one argument that he made that uh, Judge Gold's attorney made that I thought was pretty wild was like, well, I mean, he has, we don't need to be here. He has remedies for this in appeal. As if they should right. have to go through the entire trial, and then he can appeal this if he doesn't like it. Right? Or, yeah, the justices were like, uh, the "Justice system." Right? Like we're going to violate his rights, clear until he's convicted, and then fix it? Like, no. Right. That seems like the and, and honestly, that's exactly what uh, the uh, attorney for the attorneys is saying. Let's not do that. You know. Let, let's yeah. not violate his rights to that point. Let's avoid yeah. these let's do this right the first time around. Yeah. Just from a fiscal standpoint for the state itself, that's so stupid. Yeah. You know, you're 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 consciously risking a mistrial. You know, like why would mm -hmm. you do that? Like it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, poor but, Rachel is up at 4 a.m. in Australia so that she can watch. Well, good morning, Rachel. Rachel. You are a rock star. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, all of you. Welcome back, Beyonce. Yeah. Nice to see you. Yeah. We're glad to have you all here in the chat with us. So we are, you know, there were conflicting times about this hearing. We finally determined that we think it is at 10. So we moved our time from 9.30 to 9.50 to start streaming. I am wearing the beloved pearls one last time. Maybe. We'll Maybe. see. Because the thing. prosecution is not happy about this. <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing we didn't know last night during the live stream. And then, like, right after we got off, we saw this. But, uh, yeah, there has been uh, an objection filed. An objection. Wouldn't it be well, wild if Boyce was like, it's too late. Sorry, you're in. You've had all these right? years. That you were going to trial. And so are you. I know, like, I can't. I mean, fathom the fact that this that, could just but... this could delay this trial again for another year, easily. Mm -hmm. And why isn't it possible that John Pryor could be second chair, and they assign a public defender, death penalty certified, just like with John Thomas, and then he could be in training, Maybe. and he My could be paid as a public he would defender. Have to be third chair. Oh, third chair. Okay. But maybe I'm wrong. That was my, that was what had been said in the past is that he would actually have to be third chair. Do you guys okay. see John Pryor being third chair to anybody or even? No. Second? Ego wise, that's not happening. Yeah. Yep. 
You're right. Well, the pearl clutching, the pearls, they're just going in a drawer under my computer, even if we are done with prior, because I know you're right. You're right, Deanna. There's always going to be somebody clutching those pearls. For sure. <laughs> Speaking of which, do you know who also has a trial today? Darrell hmm. Brooks. Oh, yes. I did hear that. I haven't even had a chance oh to peek in on it yet, but <sighs> well, John's not out yet. That's what the hearing this morning is about, is him asking He's to be applied to be removed. removed. But the prosecution is objecting, and so where they're going to hear argument today, Judge Boyce is going to hear argument. Mm -hmm. So we did do a title search on Chad's house last night and verified oh, yes. that yes, it is still in John Pryor's name. Okay. So he still owns it? Mm-hmm. And it has not appeared to be for sale at this point. No. Now, I haven't driven out there in the last few days because uh, the roads are awful. But uh, I, yeah. so I can't say for certain, but as far as I can see in any uh, listings, it's not there. Okay. Who will pay him? Um, if he were to stay on, he would be paid as a public defender because Chad is indigent. And or, so the state is paying. Right. Or not. Right. Or the judge says, you already own Chad's house. I I think you're all set here. I can't imagine. I don't think he can do that. I, yeah. Because that was a retainer. Because mm -hmm. that's, that's what the application says, is that the retainer has run out. Well, you it's know what the retainer out. was? It was the house. House. Yeah. Yeah. He is going to be very annoying today in court. Yes, we are going to get all of our favorite words and red face and freak mm -hmm. out for sure. Oh, yeah. It's coming. Mm -hmm. Also, did you guys hear what happened in Michelle Traconis yesterday? I read some things, but during the a nanny break, was on the During a break, one of the jurors waved and called out to one of the prosecution, uh, one of the attorneys. We love you. You're doing a great job. Are you kidding me? She uh, was an alternate and uh, she is no longer. <laughs> I was going to say, she's out. She was swiftly sent home. Well, you know, hell? it's only a six-person jury. And so they fought really hard to get. They have five alternates. Well, four now. Mm -hmm. They were worried with only a six-person jury. Losing anybody is a big deal. Yeah. Who would he sell the house to? Well, back to Chad's kids or frankly, right now, um, people are moving to this part of Idaho so fast that that house would sell in a heartbeat. Maybe I just. For people coming from outside Ooh. the area that aren't familiar with this situation. Maybe. I'm going to shut my office door. I can hear some nonsense going on. Uh-oh. I'm just uh, keeping the judge's uh, YouTube channel refreshed because we're just waiting to see that live stream come up, they love to pop it up and then immediately go live. Yeah. <laughs> they don't, I don't know if they just don't know how to schedule, um, but it would sure be great if they did. I don't think they want to. I and feel like it's don't. like, okay, fine, we'll do the live stream. Okay, fine, here you go. You know, yeah. just really on the DL. As we yeah. know, Judge Boyce really likes when cameras are pointed at him. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he's a huge fan. <laughs> If they drop the death penalty, do we think Pryor would stay on? Well, they're not gonna. They've already the judge has already ruled not to drop the death penalty, mm -hmm. so that decision is made. Uh, that's part however, of the I think here. 
Yeah. However, I think if that was the case, Jennifer, I think that, that that's possible. Mm -hmm. um, he would have to, again, stay on his second or third chair. We're not sure uh, under a death penalty certified attorney. Um, yeah. But. But so I don't I, know how they get it dropped at this would. point. Right. I don't know that there's any other standing for that. There's there's not anything on the on the books at the moment anyway. Hey, yeah. Carrie, welcome, everybody. We're just really happy that you're all here. Right. I can't imagine buying that house either. But, you know, it's because we know and have been a part of this case from the beginning mm -hmm. for someone who hadn't. But I don't know. There were three murders, you know, three dead bodies on that property, three murders involved. I don't know. If I were to buy that house, which I would not. But if I were, I think the thing to do would be to put up a memorial on the property to, yeah. to say back, uh, you know, in this piece, back in the pasture or against the fence or depending on how you want to use it. Cause you know, that's, that's a pasture with a little fencing that could have some livestock in it. That could be, right. you know, more than just a big empty field like it is now. But mm -hmm. I think somewhere on the property, if you put a very tasteful, nice little, I don't know, plaque or monument or something mm -hmm. that uh, honors Tammy and the kids and then move on. Maybe you could do it and, and be okay. I wouldn't buy that house because of lo the location. The location is horrific. Oh, yeah. It's especially in the winter. It's uh, It would not be a fun place to live. No. That road is so busy. And yeah. so fast, and it's a two-lane country highway. Uh, I, I know we've told this story though. before, but Kitty Corner from that house, uh, there was a horrible, horrible wreck when we were in high school yeah. with a whole bunch of kids. They were in a giant, like, 15-passenger van. Remember, we live in Rexburg where everybody has a 1,000 kids, and there's mm -hmm. a lot of those big vans and stuff driving around. And some kids we knew, some of them actually, their parents lived down the street from me, uh, mm -hmm we're all going sledding out at the sand dunes. So not very far from that house, just a couple of miles, there are these huge sand dunes that are just a geographical anomaly <laughs> because it yeah. this used to be an ocean a bazillion years ago. Mm -hmm. And people sled there, they snowmobile there, they ride four wheelers there all the time in the summer. People come, people from, come everywhere. from everywhere. Yeah, all over the world to go there mm -hmm. and get killed there. It's a very yeah, yeah. dangerous place. Very dangerous place. At any rate, in high school, this huge 15-passenger van full of kids was headed out there to sled. And the driver was Christy's age. Uh, he was a senior, I think. Is he a senior at this time? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Somewhere right in there. Yeah, and, I think. Yeah, junior or senior. I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, sure. they lost control, spun out, hit a, a truck, and had a horrifying crash where several kids were killed right on that corner just and other kids were Chad's like house. seriously seriously, seriously injured it was seriously terrible injured. one family lost two daughters they had three daughters in that van and two of them yeah. died it was yeah. absolutely horrible and so every time i drive through there that they put a flashing light on that corner after that i think it's gone now actually but they did for a while and every time i drive through there that's all i could think about was that wreck uh, yeah. that's a, I've always equated that corner with death and then then and the daybell happened. thing happened yeah yeah it's crazy that it's all in that same area because yeah mm -hmm. 
crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm very curious today because I'm sure that the prosecution's big problem with this is the yet another delay. Yeah. <laughs> JR said, other than all the crazy murderers in Idaho, Idaho sounds like an amazing place to live. But it's nothing I'm not familiar with in New York, a New Yorker here. <laughs> right? There are great things about here, about this place. I mean, we're, oh, yeah. you know, living two hours from Yellowstone Park in two different directions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's a beautiful place. We love it here in a lot of ways. But, yeah, there's a lot of problems here, too. And there's was a discussion just happening in the chat about would Chad be a danger to society without Lori? Oh, yeah, he already was even before all of this. Mm-hmm. Um he was he's been building a cult or trying to for a long time mm-hmm. he's he's you know he's convinced of his deity status i think oh yeah and these two of course fed that with each other um but it was it was already happening with him prior to that oh yeah uh bianca i haven't heard an update in a while about chad's kids are they still supporting him Nobody knows. Chad's kids They're are dead silent. Totally silent. I'm going to assume yes, but uh, obviously they can't support him financially any longer. So I think it's split. I think, but but the ones that don't support him just don't say anything. Yeah. I think they're desperately just trying to hang on to their lives and their jobs and their businesses and trying to not be associated with this at, if in any way, because they all live around here still, which yeah. kills me. Right. I would move. I would have gotten the hell out of here. Uh, I mean, the one son is a teacher at uh, the middle school. And I know people who've had kids in his class, and they've all said that he just, uh, you know, he's acted completely normal. They said he occasionally will mention his mother in a just like, oh, yeah, when I was a kid, my mom used to do that or something. But that was. Yeah. That's kind of it, of course. I mean, like, he's going to discuss this with kids, you know. But you never know. Kids right. sometimes are pretty brazen. <laughs> you never know. Some snot-nosed brat would say something terrible, too, you know, to him. Well, you would think that he's got to have at least been asked by some oh, students. Sure. Yeah. But I'm sure he probably just says, I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah. The one um, the one son owns a big business here. Mm-hmm. And the brother, you know. And then, and then, of course, there's Chad's siblings. There, he's got yeah. siblings in the area too. Like, yeah. Ugh. So, Amanda, you haven't missed anything because the hearing has not started yet. Mm-hmm. So we are just uh, waiting for that to happen. Mm-hmm. There, there's another family in this area whose last name is Dubell, not Daybell, yes. Dubell. And <laughs> a year or two ago in softball, uh, my husband's an umpire, and the one coach, what? His name is Dubell. And anyway, Scott, in introductions, uh, you know, like over the mound, somebody called him Daybell. And he went, <clears throat> it's Dubell. I'll bet. I'll bet. They're like, hold, <laughs> whoa, mm, no, no. Don't. Please don't ever call me that again. <laughs> when this first case first happened, I we were confused about that name because we went to school with the Dubells. And I was like, that's not how they spell it, right? That's. For a bit, I was confused about whether or not that was the same family, but mm-hmm. it is not. At yeah. All. Did the kids have a relationship with their dad? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, they were 
a lot of them still lived there. Well, yeah. the older daughter, Emma, and her husband lived right across the street. And, oh, yeah, they were all very tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, I'm sure there's the public persona for them with their dad. But then there's the private one, too, because, I mean, his girlfriend has now been, well, or his wife, I guess, now has um, been convicted of her involvement in their mother's murder. I mean, I don't know how they can, you know, privately, completely deny his involvement. I just don't see that. Um, Oh, looks like we're live. Oh, we are? Yeah. Jeez, I just checked it. Oh, yeah. The official YouTube channel of the Idaho Supreme Court. Well, here we go. Enjoy. Any other recording, video, or audio of the proceedings. So if you have a device that does that, uh, that's not permitted. In addition, uh, if you do have devices that make noise, please make sure they're silent or turned off to not disrupt the proceedings. And that's all set forth in the order governing courtroom conduct that's in effect for this hearing. I'll note on the record that the state is represented this morning by Rob Wood and Lindsey Blake, prosecutors for Madison and Fremont County. John Pryor is here with the defendant, Mr. Daybell, and the court scheduled on shortened time today's hearing after receiving a proposed motion to withdraw as counsel. That was filed on January 11th. There was a declaration supporting the motion also filed January 11th. Court reviewed those and determined that the motions originally filed under seal would be unsealed and they were. The state then yesterday on the 17th of January filed a objection to the motion to withdraw. I'll also note that the court entered an order just this morning that unsealed the previously sealed order of the court as it related to a August 25th, 2023 order. And I've provided copies of that to counsel, but it does have some relevance to today's proceedings. So let me confirm that. Uh, Mr. Pryor, you would have already had a copy of that order, but from the state, Ms. Blake or Mr. Wood, Did you receive the court's order unsealing the August 25th from last year order and a copy of that order? Yes, Your Honor, they were um, provided to counsel today. Okay, thank you. And uh, they're doing construction right through the uh, doorway here, so counsel could speak up probably into the microphones, unfortunately, try to make the record as clear as we can here. Mr. Pryor, uh, Are you ready to proceed on your motion? Yes, Your Honor. All right, and who will be arguing on behalf for the state today? Ms. Blake. All right, Mr. Pryor then, as I mentioned, I've reviewed the motion. If you'd like to submit arguments for the motion, you can do that at this time. Judge, because of the microphone, may I have permission to remain seated? You may, and if you'd just pull the microphone right up uh, close there, Mr. Pryor, because of this noise from construction, that will be helpful. And Judge, I was advised by your clerk that the the microphones are, are doing quite well and that I should probably, uh, um, and is my voice at this point acceptable, Madam Clerk, in terms of the tone, it's not washing out? Yeah, it's fine, we're picking it up, thank you. Judge, uh, 
I appreciate the court releasing the um, the order from 825-23. The court's well aware ex parte that I filed in January of 2023, well over a year ago, uh, a year and seven days, uh, a motion to, to seek additional counsel. And the court uh, identified the fact that at this point, uh, being privately retained, uh, that Mr. Daybell may not be uh, eligible for having um, additional attorneys represent him. And I'm relying on the court's um, interpretation of that statute. And judge, what has transpired, and as a matter, matter of procedural history, in um, middle to seeking uh, additional counsel, uh, I believe that was probably about uh, two years ago, I started seeking the possible year and a half ago, seeking the possibility of getting additional counsel aid me in this case when I realized the magnitude of the discovery. That process involved judge uh, going through the list of, uh, of qualified attorneys on the public defense commission list. I took the process of identifying all of those folks and then reaching out to all of them. And the ones I didn't speak to directly, I spoke through through the various public defenders uh, the people who ran the public defender's office. I went through that list and at that point was unable to find anybody uh, uh, that was available to do this. And it's no secret, it's, it's reasonable common knowledge that the Public Defense Commission is having a difficult time finding death qualified attorneys to represent in these kind of cases. I then contacted the commission on a couple of occasions and spoke to their uh, one of their assistants and their directors and. Uh, uh, got the idea of maybe reaching out to out-of-state attorneys and did the process of contacting about six out-of-state attorneys to see if that was a possibility as well. And again, to, with no luck. Uh, shortly thereafter, I went through again and, and did went through the same process, looking through the list of qualified attorneys. In January of 2023, about a year ago, I reached out to the court and said, listen, it's going to require additional counsel. Mr. Daybell is, is indigent. He doesn't have the ability or financial uh, ability to uh, hire another private counsel at this point. And the court went through its analysis and, and thus came up with the order that uh, you released today, Judge. Uh, what has transpired, Judge, is that uh, approximately in, um, uh, Judge, I don't want to misstate, so I, I want to be very careful about this, but I believe, and it was in October of last year, I reached out to a private attorney that I know and asked him if he would consider becoming death penalty qualified to aid me in this case. And he agreed to do that and started the process. Um, he has been in relative, re, relative um, contact with uh, the Public Defense Commission. And at this point, up until today, when I spoke to him this morning, um, the holdup is the CLA. Uh, but that, you know, whether it's no fault of his or the Public Defense Commission, and I'm not putting any blame, but at this point, uh, there's no uh, appointment, there's no decision that has been made, and I'm really unclear because the commission won't tell me his status, only I can get relayed by what he's telling me. But it came to, um, I came to realize in late December that the amount of work that I'm going to need to uh, perform before the trial was of such an extent that it would, um, in my opinion, um, uh, create a situation where not all of the things that needed to be done for the trial commencing in uh, April 1st could get done. This put me in a difficult situation. 
uh, I want to relay to the court. Uh, when you say December, what December of this last year, 23? December of 2023, Judge. All right. I realized at that point when there wasn't a decision about uh, him being appointed, and the court obviously directed with its order that uh, you'd be willing to uh, compensate another attorney to help me. But in December, I, I contacted the attorney again. I was in relative co uh, com frequent contact with him. And uh, he said, listen, there hasn't been a decision. I said, you know, please contact them, find out what the holdup is. Where are we on this thing? And since that time, it was more than weekly that I was communicating with him. Up to today, there still hasn't been a decision. I don't know what the status is and, and there hasn't been an approval. Uh, at this point, um, this puts me in the situation where uh, this court, I don't think is obligated to, uh, uh, you know, appoint an attorney. Mr. Daybell has private counsel. And I wanna, um, I want to state to the court that I don't desire to get off this case. I wanna stay on this case and regardless of Mr. Daybell's financial situation, I wanna stay on this case. I could care less about the money. Um, Mr. Daybell wants me to stay on this case. Well, that's not really what your motion says though, Mr. Pryor. Your motion says you want off the case because it's gonna to cost too much for you to work, uh, the work it's gonna to take to get it through trial without compensation. So, right, and that's correct, Judge. This is an important issue for me today. Are you wanting to withdraw because you think you deserve to be paid for the work you do, which I understand, but when I'm considering the standards under Rule 44.1, which is discretionary under Part A, on a leave to withdraw, uh, I may allow you to withdraw for good cause. And what I'm trying to determine is, do you wanna withdraw because you're not being paid enough to continue through trial, or are you seeking to withdraw because you're simply not going to be prepared and ready for trial? Judge, the, the situation is this, is that when I say to the court, and I'm, I'm saying that in all sincerity, I don't need to get paid for this case. The concern is this, is that I, at, at least at this perspective, Judge, I'm gonna be doing this by myself. And it's going to expend a lot of resources and a lot of time that I'm not gonna be able to commit to other uh, uh, projects or other situations. Now, obviously I'm not taking on a lot of other, a lot of other uh, obligations because of this case. Do I wanna get paid? Everybody wants to get paid for what they do. Am I making that a, 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 a the only reason to withdraw? Well, it's, it's twofold. Do I wanna get paid for the work that I've done in this case? I do. I'd like to get compensated for the next two and a half months and for the two months of the trial. And I do wanna get paid and I think it's fair. And Mr. Daybell and I had a discussion about this. Mr. Daybell expressed to me that he doesn't feel comfortable me continuing in this case if I'm not getting compensated for the work. And I advised him and told him that uh, I don't need to get paid, I'm willing to do that. So if I'm not being clear, Judge, I'm willing to do it. Do I wanna get paid and do I wanna get compensated for this case? Yes. Do I think it's fair that I'm not getting compensated? I don't think it's fair, but it's twofold, Judge. The only way that Mr. Daybell is going to be uh, ordered, or the only way the court can order Mr. Daybell getting additional counsel is if I withdraw. And that's the only situation that would cause the court to say, all right, Mr. Pryor's granted leave to withdraw because he wants to be compensated. 
Mr. Pryor wants to be paid for the work that he needs to do for the next four months. And, it's, and Mr. Daybell agrees with me that it's not fair that I work for the next four months without being compensated. If the court decides to deny the motion, I wanna make it clear, Judge, that I'm prepared to go forward and push this case to the end regardless. And, and I'm, I'm committed to that. Do I think it's fair that I don't get paid? No. Do I want to get paid? I absolutely want to get paid for the work that I do. And, and that that's, you know, and if I was unclear in my, uh, my declaration, Judge, that's where I stand on this issue. But the only way for Mr. Daybell to get appointed two capital qualified attorneys and the only, you know, and the, the purpose of getting capital qualified attorneys, Judge, is when the government has to pay for attorneys, they get to dictate what qualifications you need to be a, a, a capital defense attorney. I chose not to go through that process and get capital qualified, even though the criteria that they've established, I qualify. But at this point, I don't see any choice if I don't get assistance from another attorney to help me in this case. Uh, I don't have any choice but to withdraw. The primary reason is, is that there are, uh, there is no mechanism that I can see based on the court's interpretation of the statute that allows Mr. Daybell to get assistance mandated by this court unless I withdraw. But let me be clear, do I wanna get paid for the work that I'm gonna do? I absolutely want to. And does Mr. Daybell want me to get paid? He does. Does he think it's fair? He does not think it's fair and he wants me to be compensated. And, and that's where I stand on this. If the court decides that they're gonna deny the motion and say, no, Mr. Pryor, I'm not going to let you off. I'm not going to harbor any hard feelings. I'm not going to harbor any dislike for Mr. Daybell. I'm gonna go forward and I'm gonna do the best I can. And I'm gonna make an effort to try to find someone to help me, even if it's the day before trial. But again, let me be clear. Do I wanna get compensated? Yes, Judge. Do I think this is fair? No. Uh, but by the same token, um, primarily judge is the only mechanism I can think of to allow Mr. Daybell to get two capital qualified attorneys to help him with this case is if I step away and withdraw from this case. Mr. Pryor, going back to your preparation for trial, of course, this is a capital case. And if there's a conviction in the case, then under Idaho Code 19-25-15, there's a special sentencing proceeding and Idaho has adopted ABA standards for capital defense cases. And generally that requires, for example, the appointment of a mitigation specialist for the defense team as part of those proceedings. And I'm not asking you to reveal any defense strategy or even list a name, but the concerns I have here is you say you'll go through and do the trial, but I really want to know, are you really ready for this trial? For example, do you have a mitigation specialist that would be prepared in the event of a conviction in this trial? Judge, uh, if the court wants to have an answer to that question, uh, at this point, I'd like to take a recess, close the proceedings and disclose that issue because that is a trial issue and it's a, it's a trial strategy that at this point, um, I am not uh, prepared to, to make an open statement on live TV about what my strategy is. If the court wants to take a recess, go in chambers, I'd be hap happy to discuss uh, where I stand on this. In terms of the ABA standards, Judge, in terms of, 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 of complying with the ABA standards, um, I'm aware of those standards. I'm aware of what that obligation is. Uh, but again, uh, in terms of 
how I'm going to proceed in that manner. Uh, I would prefer to do that in a, a either in chambers or in a closed proceeding. Okay, and I think that's a fair enough request. Uh, again, I'm not asking you to reveal trial strategy or publicly put that out, but these are legitimate concerns I have in weighing out whether or not Mr. Daybell is going to receive effective assistance of counsel in this case, if you are permitted to remain on by me denying this motion. So uh, I do wanna get into that issue and discuss that. Uh, the state's entitled to uh, know the answers to that as part of their objection to this motion. In lieu of doing that in chambers or off the record, it's gotta be on the record, it needs to be in a sealed closed portion of the hearing, I'll determine under ICAR 32. And I think really the best way to do that, unfortunately, at the inconvenience of those in attendance here is likely to clear the courtroom and allow that discussion to take place with only those necessary personnel in here to conduct the proceedings as part of a sealed closed hearing. Uh, so that's what I'll do at this point to go through those issues and then we'll come back on in a public proceeding. So, uh, I would request that uh, courthouse security and the bailiffs, if we could have everyone step out except for the clerk and the necessary security while Mr. Bay, uh, Daybell is here, we will uh, close this portion of the proceedings and also uh, for the bailiffs, if you could just make sure no one's within earshot of the uh, a doorway as well to make sure it's not carrying through on the microphones. And I appreciate your accommodating that. We'll also, of course, stop the proceedings from being live streamed, and then we will come back on the record once we're ready. We'll take a brief recess while that occurs. All right. Oh, for hell's sake. <laughs> Your Honor. Prior can just never give a yes or no, for hell's sakes. Clearly a no, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. But I, Your Honor, I do not want off of this case. I want to stay on this case. Everything in me wants to stay on this case. And also, my client wants me to stay on this case. And he says he wants me to stay on this case. Also, I do not want to be on this case because I'm not yeah. getting paid and it's not fair. And my client doesn't think it's fair either. And he does not want me to work for free. So... And also, I really don't care about the money, and I don't care if I get paid. But I do think it's not fair that I don't get paid. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Bitch, you have been paid and paid and paid and paid and paid and paid. You owned yeah. their home, which every attorney that has seen that went, what? That is not yeah. done. What is going yeah. on here? <sighs> but I love that right, the judge exactly, was like, but... yeah, that's not what your brief says. Right. He's asking to be removed because he can't get paid. It's very clear. The brief isn't very long. Um, this is so ridiculous. This is mm -hmm. so John Pryor. Mm -hmm. And he's been trying to solve this for a year. Well, why has it never come before the judge till now? Right. Like, come on. Yep. Oh, yeah. The repeating. I agree, friend. The repeating over and over again. God, you'd think that the judge would be like, okay, you've said that like five times. Let's just stop. Mm -hmm. Just stop. Ugh. Oy. Well, I knew this was right. going to be mean, annoying, but. Ugh. Well, and, and the thing is, he has been paid. He owns the house. It's up to him what he does with the house, but he owns the property. 
you know, at this point, if he sells it, that's up to him. Or if he keeps it as an asset, that's up to him. But yeah, my God, he, he talks as though he's not been paid at all. Mm-hmm. But clearly that is not the case. <laughs> Why doesn't Chad just pop into his portal for a one-way trip to Vietnam? Well, it Agreed. didn't work for Don Adelson. <laughs> no, it didn't. That is true. Oh Have God. you guys seen the footage of her getting arrested? Yes. I, I, we, we need to share that on Case Updates next week because oh, it's hilarious. Here we go. <laughs> well, like, a warrant? What do you mean a warrant? Shouldn't I have been notified of that? That's what we're doing right now, bitch. What are you? <laughs> I haven't had a phone call or an email. That's not how criminal warrants work. You get an email. You get notified when you get arrested. <laughs> oh, so ridiculous. We're on a one-way ticket to Vietnam there, lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was hilarious. But this bullshit of I'm still not ready after three years. After having known for a very long time that this was a death penalty case. Mm-hmm. After seeing how Lori's trial went, he's still not ready. How can that possibly be? Do you think that if the judge releases him from the case today, that he will make a bar complaint? Uh, a bar, the, the judge will? Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, th- there are a lot of questions in why have you waited so long to bring this to the judge? Mm-hmm. You've waited until two months before the trial starts to bring this to the judge? What the hell? Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. Yeah. He, Pryor is a nightmare. Can you imagine what he must be like personally? No. He's such a manipulative gaslighter. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I can't imagine that he is a popular human outside of this case. No, nor can I. But this, the way he has handled this is so, so inappropriate, unprofessional. It Such is, a but huge disservice to Chad. Well, it is. I mean, that's the bottom line. And that's what the judge is frustrated with is he has to protect Chad's rights. Right. And Chad really has no power in this situation. Yeah, Boyce is beyond pissed. I agree. He oh, yeah. is very pissed. And it's ridiculous but in the long run they have to do what's best for chad uh-huh. they have to protect his rights yep. Uh, yep right amy if he would have just done the trial with Lori, he would have had some help from archibald and thomas and it, it's true uh-huh. and it would be done yep but what did he say strategize we don't need to strategize. I have my own strategy. I'm not going to have other people telling me how to run my case. I know how to run my case. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We all knew you were bullshitting then, bro. And it's real obvious now that you were. Yeah. 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 What strategy, dude? You have no strategy. There is no strategy. There is no defense. We all saw Lori's case put up no defense because guess what they had? Nothing. Nothing. And when you have nothing, after three years, you still have nothing. You can't just keep finding ways to continue or then just, you know, uh, eat yourself off the case because you don't have anything. Right. Yeah. You can't just continue infinitum. (laughs) I mean, this case does have to get tried. But, oh, my God. But, yeah, he not having a, a... death penalty mitigation specialist is part of his strategy how 
in what way? Right. I don't understand how that strategy. Mm -hmm. He's so sure that the jury will not give him the death penalty. I mean, what the hell? Why would you not be prepared for that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> boomerang is him square in the face, indeed. <laughs> yes. Yes, it has. Uh, you know, Mark Means ruined his career on this case. Yeah, he, he and did. I am going to branch out here and say I think Pryor has done exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Victoria Pryor wanted out before Valentine's Day so he doesn't have to get Chad a gift. <laughs> <laughs> Very well could be. The way he kisses Chad's ass. Oh, my God. Is so fucking weird now. Uh, where is uh, where is uh, Mark Means? He's in Missouri. We think he's in Missouri. Yeah, he moved. He left Idaho. I haven't seen him show up on Twitter in a long time. He Makes moved from from Idaho to Missouri, and then from there, we just don't really know. Well, and yeah, all that shit about I don't really care about the money. I don't care about getting paid, but I do want to get paid. But I don't care about money, but I do want to get paid. I mean, of course you want to get paid, dummy. This is your job. I'm not sure why that is even a question. Yeah. Other than Pryor just loves constant subterfuge. Oh. I think he just annoys people into submission. Hey, you want to hear from Mark Means? <laughs> oh, no. Did he? Has he tweeted? He oh, commented. can't wait. He commented oh. on a court TV post, a tweet on January 12th. It says Chad Daybell's attorney, John Pryor, filed a motion to withdraw from the murder case, saying Chad can no longer afford his services. Mark commented, forcing him to stay equals involuntary servitude, as well compromises any possible verdict, including not limited to death penalty. Better to grant and vacate and then push through and lose if convicted on appeal. Then again, exposing what? the underbelly of East Idaho on appeal would be revealing. <laughs> Word yeah. salad. Yummy, yummy. What? <laughs> well, and, and frankly, Mark means who cares about your opinion? You are a trash attorney who knew nothing about trying a case like this to begin with. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, he was. I, I know. I thought about like breaking the pearls, but. That is why pearls are knotted. So there is a knot between every pearl, and that's what the majority of good pearl necklaces all have knots, mm -hmm. so that you can't break them and them scatter everywhere. But I thought about it. Mm -hmm. So also, he commented on a Justin Lum post on the same thing on January 12th. 100% mm. fault negligence of prosecution. <laughs> really, Mark? In, in in what way? Please feel free to cite your uh, your uh, list of negligences, because what are they? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Negligence. It's the prosecution's fault that Chad can't pay his attorney. And then Justin Lum said, the state will therefore pay for two public defenders once again. As we know, Vallow's trial ended in three murder convictions related to the deaths of her two children, Daybell's first wife. Mark comments, yeah. foregone conclusion when the defense fails to defend. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, what was your defense going to be, Beans? What was your defense <laughs> going to be? Yeah, JR, JR, I think he's still better, you think? 
Oh my God. And to insist on this being in private rather than just answering that question with a yes or a no is so, it's such a shitty, whiny baby prior thing to do. Mm-hmm. What the hell are you talking about, dude? It was a yes or no question. Yeah. Such a fool. Yep. But, but I mean, Boyce is going to have to do something to protect Chad's rights. Mm-hmm. He, that's his job. Like, ultimately, this seems like it's about prayer, but it really isn't. It's about Chad. So one thing kind of piqued my uh, interest with the back and forth between Boyce and and uh, Pryor, and mm-hmm. that was, and, and help me if I don't think he really fully got here, but it was kind of what I felt like was implied, that the trial itself you could do and then perhaps have a death penalty certified attorney assist you in the penalty phase. And And, yeah, he was kind of, Heading that direction, there, I thought he? so too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he has needed another attorney on this case from the very beginning, but that was up to him to come up with. Mm-hmm. And his constant fobbing off of responsibility is so disgusting and ridiculous. And the thing is, he never had to have a death penalty certified attorney. No. They are private pay. All of this, I've been trying to get. Well, you didn't have to. Right. You didn't have to. You didn't want to have to split that retainer. You didn't want to have to share the money that was coming in. You wanted it all. You wanted to be in the front seat. You wanted to drive the the bus. Yeah. All of this stuff right now, this, well, I just couldn't find anybody. That is absolute bullshit. Because he didn't have to have a death penalty certified attorney join him at any point. Right. And all these time frames he's giving, these are not things he has to prove. So I don't believe it. I don't believe that he's done this giant list of things. I don't. Because, right, he wants. I could be a death penalty certified attorney. I chose not to be. Yeah. Why? Why? But you had a very valid point that Pryor does have a criminal record. Mm-hmm. And does that preclude him? I don't know if it would, but it's a good question. Or if he no doesn't idea. want the scrutiny um, of that, I would imagine it's I a pretty in-depth process. It is. It is. And I, yeah, it did make me wonder if it was would be the scrutiny of it or if it was simply the the work of it, if he just really doesn't want to be a death penalty certified attorney, so it's just not worth it to him. Uh, or if it is about his priors. Right. Because li- seriously, he could have been working on that for the last three years. Yeah. And instead, he's getting someone else to do it. Someone else who clearly how much has not done it. This case has had. Well, this last year has been. As, once they severed those cases, this case has been totally on downtime. Mm-hmm. Okay. So back in, I'm going to say 2012, but that's ish. That's ish, mm-hmm. right back in somewhere in there. Prior, uh, apparently, according to the court records, a girl, a, you know, in Prior's, what are we going to say, 50s, 60s? Probably late 50s. early Yeah, yeah late 50s, early 60s. So a young girl came into his office. I'm going to say she was around 20 to mm-hmm. for a job interview. 
And rather than a job interview, he had sex with her in the conference room. Yeah. And was charged with sexual assault. Now, he did plead that down to a misdemeanor so that he would mm-hmm. not have to be a registered sex offender uh, and not have a felony, obviously. Well, but, thanks, uh, Idaho courts, for, you know, mm-hmm. making sure he could still be an attorney after that behavior. Mm-hmm. Paranormal. But at any rate, yeah, he prior, when he first joined this case, that was everybody's big, like, this dude has priors. He's a sex offender. What? He's not a registered sex offender. But those are the, that's what the case was. Right. Yeah. That, the original charge was a sexual assault, but he's, yeah. But it does make you wonder, mm-hmm. you know. But right. He has wasted so much time bitching and moaning mm-hmm. and not actually working on this case. Like all of these ridiculous filings that have had nothing to do with prepping for this trial. So convinced that he was going to keep it from happening. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so delusional. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right, JR. He does seem like that kind of guy. I agree. Mm -hmm. So here we are. I, I just, I'm glad that the judge was arguing, fighting back. And was it just like, yeah. okay, if that's what you need to do, I'm well, still they, not so sure he's not going to let him do it because it's such an appealable thing, but uh, we'll see. I, I'm I glad know. that the prosecution also filed a, an objection and are also saying, no, this is not right. 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 Because to wait till now, he's known for a year. Yeah. Why wasn't this application made a year ago? And frankly, hasn't everyone known for three years? I know. We've been asking this question this whole time. Like, the money's gone or he's got, Chad's got a backer of some sort. How is this still being paid for? Mm-hmm. Right? If Chad would just plead guilty and drop the death penalty, this would end. I really absolutely believe that. Mm-hmm. But the arrogance of Pryor and the arrogance of Chad are a bad mix. Because mm-hmm. somehow Pryor still thinks he has a way out of this for Chad. And I just, I don't know what the hell that is. Nope. I mean, his accomplice is guilty on all counts and is never getting out of prison. So all those bodies were on his property. How is he not as much or even more culpable, really? Mm -hmm. Right. They are two entitled, full of themselves men who, I don't know, they think they they can always work something out. And it's just not going to happen. Yep. So I'm going to say that what I can see from some of the Twitter attorneys I follow, they are feeling real good about what happened in Delphi today. Good. I I really appreciated the questions that were being asked of Judge Gold's attorney. I think those mm-hmm. those um, justices had significant questions and concerns. Yep. Yep. And the idea that this could all just be worked out after the trial is a bunch of shit. That's not protecting anybody's constitutional rights. No. And every day that Richard Allen sits in a supermax prison, his rights are being violated every day. Well, and I'm glad that they brought that up, Mm -hmm. that they brought up the fact that 
you know, the application has been made to move him and please based on his mental and physical health and safety and how that has been ignored. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Right, Victoria, I am too. I'm glad that both of the kids' bodies have been released mm -hmm. so that in a lot of ways, the family does have the ability to move on. Absolutely. You know. Right. I mean, <clears throat> Tammy's family at least has had the luxury of having her buried. I mean, they did have to go through her being exhumed, which I'm sure was horrifying. Oh. But yeah. then she was immediately reburied. I mean, they've always known. Right where her body was and had a grave and a headstone and a place to grieve. And that's something yeah. that sure wasn't uh, given to Tylee and JJ's families. Right. Yeah. So I'm glad. Uh, but yes, Pam, you're, you're right. It is our understanding that, uh, you know, plead guilty on all counts and we'll take the death penalty off the table has been offered and refused. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh that there have been some real ridiculous expectations like possibility of parole. Mm -hmm. What the hell in three first degree murders, that's never going to happen. No. And that's the thing for the prosecution. They don't have much motivation to do a plea because they slam dunked the last trial. They'll do it again. Right. They have but more forensic evidence against Chad than they did against Lori. Right. And this all happened on Chad's property. I mean, yeah, Chad it's, so is literally it's not even funny. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So the, the fact that this is still the battle and that there isn't just a plea here is, is I think, the most infuriating part of it. Mm -hmm. And egregious, really. I mean, yeah. there is nothing to gain here. Right. There isn't. There isn't. And, and, and his attorney is they're risking him getting the death penalty. So the uh, objection to withdraw has finally hit the docket. Has it? Because all it was was just the, the, the notice. And I've not seen anything about what was actually written. Nope, I've got it in front of me now. So here's what they say. I won't read the whole thing, but. The state of Idaho objects to counsel's motion to withdraw based on the following. Idaho Criminal Rule 44.1a provides no attorney may withdraw as an attorney of record for any defendant in any criminal action without first obtaining leave and order of the court on notice to the prosecuting attorney and defendant except as provided in this rule. Leave to withdraw as the attorney of record for a defendant may be granted by the court for good cause. I think that's what his argument was as well. So I'm not sure where this will go. They're also mm -hmm. arguing the Sixth Amendment. The trial court Let's may appoint see. substitute counsel for an indigent defendant upon showing of good cause. I guess what they're saying is this is not good cause. Yeah. A trial court's decision will only be regarded as an abuse of discretion if it violated the defendant's right to counsel. To demonstrate the actual conflict under the Sixth Amendment, a defendant must show that his counsel actively represented conflicting interests and that the conflict adversely affected his lawyer's performance. That's the question. Right. 
That is the question. Absent extraordinary circumstance, mere lack of confidence in otherwise competent counsel is not necessarily grounds for substitution of counsel. Very interesting. Uh, this right now is butting up just a little bit to the Delphi arguments. You know? Right, right. Well, it's very similar. Yeah. Um, the idea that they have to protect the defendant's rights, mm -hmm. bottom line. No. Well, he up to this point he would not have that argument because he has paid him and chosen him. Yeah. And you you can't argue ineffective counsel if you're paying him out of pocket. I mean, right. you can, I mean, you can not effectively. But it yeah, it doesn't really go anywhere because hey, you chose this guy, you could have fired him. But you're right now, uh you know, you're right now, Sue Ellen, that at this point, where does this take us? Right. Because if he does lose, which we anticipate he will, then, yeah, is, can he come back and argue, hey, my attorney wanted off the case. He wasn't getting paid. He couldn't put on a good defense. Either way, I think this hurts prior professionally profoundly. It does. It, it, it shows what an idiot he is. And like, not that that hasn't already come up many times, but he's so blatantly unprepared. And it doesn't matter how many times he argues that he needs more time. He just always still needs more time. Mm -hmm. Like you can't do that infinitum. This is interesting. The motion to withdraw relies in part on the defendant having been found indigent by this court on January 19th, 2023, almost a year ago. The state was not present nor privy to any such finding by this court. Wow. So they did so, not know that for a year Chad has been indigent? Right. Right, because this was How? being kept a secret. Yeah. This was being, well, it's, it's kind of like how um, Pryor wanted this matter sealed. Yeah. He was trying to keep this a secret. Mm-hmm. Then they mm. say, however, assuming an indigency finding has been made, Idaho code defines an indigent person as a person who at this time his need is determined pursuant to section 19854 Idaho code is unable to provide for the full payment of an attorney and all other necessary expenses of representation. Right. As of a year ago, the defendant and his counsel were apparently aware of the defendant's limited resources to continue to pay, but the issue is now being brought before the state's attention, and as far as the state knows, this is the first time being raised as an issue affecting counsel's continued representation. Given the defendant and counsel being well aware of this issue approximately a year ago, the delayed filing until just over two months before jury selection is set to begin, this appears to be an attempt to delay the proceedings and a part of a long-term strategy to delay and obstruct the state's efforts for the justice to be served for Tylee Ryan, J.J. Vallow, and Tammy douglas Daybell. Yeah. Right. Like, how can you how can you look at this situation and perceive it any other way that he waited a year to say this other than he's stalling? Right. It's just gross, man. Yeah. I mean, basically, the state's saying we had no idea and why didn't we know? And why, if they knew a year ago, 
was an, a death penalty attorney put on this case a year ago. Right. And why are we in this position now? And this is just utter bullshit, what they're saying without saying it. It is. Mm -hmm. It is utter and, bullshit. And because it is. I mean, the fact that they weren't notified immediately when that happened and that this wasn't addressed all that time ago, there's no excuse for that. There's none. No, it's just going to continue to cost the taxpayers more money. Right. This has already been such an expensive situation. And mm -hmm. now to do this is just, God. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. The nerve. The nerve. But we've been saying that all along, that the the ego wrapped up in all of this is a real problem. Mm -hmm. That Pryor's ego is superseding what's best for his clients over and over again. We've seen that. This has been, well, and it's similar to the way that it went with Mark Means, that this has been, uh, Your Honor, they're picking on me kind of situation and not a here's what's best for my client situation very similar to the way that mark means was handling it yeah which i think is just more evidence of their lack of experience for this kind of a case yeah right christine i know the idea that that the prosecution would agree to a plea that allows for possibility of parole is so laughable mm -hmm. it's just insane how how could anyone as a rational human being look at this case and think that he's going to have any right to parole at all? Yeah. Or that he should. Stude is a danger to the world. Yeah. The only way to show that he isn't a danger to the world is to take the plea mm -hmm. and take responsibility for what he's done. But boy, we're not seeing any of that, are we? No. Are they going to let us join again? Yes. So they're having this private conversation and then it will become, we'll be coming back uh, to, you know, so because the prosecution still needs to argue their objection. Mm -hmm. And Pryor probably has a bunch more crap to say 47 more times. East Idaho News did also file to have cameras in the courtroom and it was denied. <laughs> yeah. God love them for trying. <laughs> right? They don't give up. They don't give up. But at this point, I think this is what we're going to get is this kind of this kind of cameras in the courtroom, which I mean, it's definitely better than nothing. Yeah, I don't hate it. I'd rather this than nothing at all. I'm glad we get to see Pryor's face. Uh, yeah, I am too. And Chad's face, even though it looks exactly the same every time. Mm -hmm. He has the flattest affect. I think it's wild that the whole time that Pryor is like, Mr. Daybell says this and Mr. Daybell believes that, that Chad never one time he indicates. Was, yeah, he doesn't nod or agree or anything. Uh-uh. Which I think is crazy. Lori would have been, you know, she would have been. Oh, yeah. She was all over stuff like that. Yeah. The fact that, honestly, for me personally, and maybe it's just because I'm such a damn people pleaser, but I would have been, you know, supporting, <laughs> nodding, shaking, something, you know. Yes, but, uh, this is how I feel, yeah. I think it's pretty wild that he just can sit there so stone-faced and not even flinch, nod, move at all. Yeah, it's creepy. 
Thank it's, you, Upsbubbles. Very, welcome. Yeah, welcome. It, it's very uh, psychopath to me that he can yeah. sit through all of this with no change in facial expression, no actual emotion mm -hmm. showing on his face. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Boyce mentioned keeping people out of earshot because he's so mad. <laughs> Seeing they're they yelling are, at him. <laughs> when we have been there in person and this has happened, they make us go downstairs. Well, okay, this is in the Madison courtroom, but in the in the Fremont, in Fremont courtroom, they made us go downstairs to the main level of the building. We couldn't even be outside the the courtroom with the doors closed. We had to be one level below. Mm -hmm. Which these are really old courthouses, and they're all of the floors are marble. Yeah, they are loud as hell. They you are. can hear they, anyone they walking ring. down the hall. You can hear a lot of noise carrying from the courtrooms. If you're out in the hall, you can hear a lot of what's going on inside. I get it from that aspect because there's nothing absorbing the sound in these places. No, there isn't at all. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that's a great question. His boy said yeah. they're reading him the riot act. I hope he is. I hope he is too, frankly. Except for I really want to see a little more of that. JR, I wonder what Tammy saw in him. Well, he was a good Mormon man. Yep. Y you may not know this, but Mormon girls are taught that it doesn't matter who you marry as long as you're both devout. Yeah. God will fix your relationship and make you happy as long as you're both devout, literally. Mm -hmm. So you don't even, you know, and then you find out later about people who marry people they're not even attracted to or they don't. They didn't even really want to be with, but they were the one that, or you know, they'd they only known for a really brief amount of time. We see oh, that all the time. Well, yes. When I was a student at Rick's College, and I'm sure you saw this too, every time there was a break for a holiday or a break in between semesters, you'd come back and all of these people would be engaged. So they dated for a few weeks mm -hmm. and then on Thanksgiving break, they got, you know, they, they met in September, Thanksgiving mm -hmm. break, they get, um, they get engaged and might possibly be getting married by Christmas break. Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. Cause as soon as they're engaged, they're getting a wedding thrown together as quickly as possible because that is when Satan is at his worst trying to make you have sex. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you better not wait or you'll screw up and then you'll be in big trouble. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, and a lot of these, a lot of the, the men in those situations have just returned from their missions. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge amount of pressure on return missionaries to immediately get married and start having babies. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason why is because of the concern of sin. We right. want you to get married yeah. as soon as possible so that you don't slip. Yeah. Yeah, that's. So, yeah, it, around here for kids to be getting married at 18, 19, 20, you know, early 20s is very common. And to get married after yeah, three months, dating a brief amount of time is really common, too. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow, Sarah. My very LDS grandfather didn't speak to me for three days because I told the guy I went out with three times no when he asked me to wait for him while he was on a mission. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And that was in the 90s. Yep, Sarah. Been there. Waited for my own missionary mm -hmm. for a while. <laughs> mm -hmm. Temple yeah. marriage is free. That mm -hmm. is true. Yep. 
Well, and then if they have their reception in one of the church houses, that's free too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Potato. This sounds mean, but if you put Porky Pig and Chad Daybell side by side, they look kind of similar. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. And Mary says, I think Chad refuses to plead because he has convinced his children he was a victim of Lori. Therefore, he is actually a victim also. Agreed. Absolutely. That's what they're trying to do here is yeah. portray Chad as a victim in this situation. Mm -hmm. Which he is not. <laughs> it's gross. You're a victim if you got scammed out of some money. You're not a victim yeah. if you got scammed into murdering three people. Give me a break. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Especially over a period of time. It's not like that all happened in one day. No. You had lots of time to have remorse after the first one. Yeah. Hell, you had lots of time to have remorse after Charles's murder. Yeah. And never let this sure crazy did. person come here or any of this happen. You could have yeah. contacted the police at that point and said, hey, I got to tell you what I know. There's lots of things that you could have done that would have maybe made you look like a victim, you know, and, right. or, or supported the idea that you were a victim, but you didn't do any of those things. No, no, didn't do any of those things. And I mean, he knew about the attempt on Brandon Boudreaux's life. Mm -hmm. He knew about the, the murder of Charles Vallow. Mm -hmm. He knew about the very bizarre and untimely death of Alex Cox mm -hmm. besides the kids and Tammy. I mean, he had so many opportunities to stop this train. Mm -hmm. But instead, you ran away with this person and married them. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, bud. Not a victim. Not in any way. JR, I don't think you're wrong. She said, I think Chad was going to frame Garth. I agree. I right? think Garth was going to be collateral damage. Mm -hmm. it, it did kind of seem that way there for a little while. Mm-hmm. So terrifying to think that somebody would do that to their own kid. Yep. Murder their mother and frame them for it. But I you can't put anything past Chad or Lori. They no. they would literally do anything. They have no there is no moral compass in them at all. No. Yep. Yep. No, I, I fully agree that that was a part of their conversation or their thought process. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, Chad obviously doesn't give a flying fuck about his own kids. No. He doesn't care about them. Uh, Arizona has already said they are not going to implicate Chad. Yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, Chad's the one that was on the phone trying to get a crematorium to, for the cheapest price to cremate yeah. Charles as soon as possible after he died. Chad was right. all over that. He so was. In, there in was reality, some definite involvement there. but Yeah. But they've already said they're they're going for Lori, not Chad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way that he talked in text messages to Lori about referring to his family as the Dursleys and he's like Harry Potter living under the stairs and, mm -hmm. and you know, like that weekend he was all bummed out, wanted to see Lori, but he couldn't because some of his kids were graduating from college mm -hmm. and a bunch of family was there, including his own parents to support them. And all he could do is bitch to his shitty girlfriend about it. It's, it's mm -hmm. so pathetic. Also, he called them the Dudleys, not the Dursleys, because he's dumb as hell. That is right. He did call them the Dudleys. <laughs> I've never gotten over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is right. 
unless the storm has encountered a wind shear, this man is not a victim. <laughs> oh, Christy, if only. If only. Right, I agree, uh, Deanna. It is an absolute travesty that the Melanies have not faced charges. Mm -hmm. Melanie is not in court today. Melanie Pulaski's case has been continued again mm -hmm. until February 1st. Mm -hmm. That just happened yesterday. So, Okay, Nate posted five, minute, five minutes ago, uh, court resuming following closed session. We are being allowed back into the courtroom. So we should be back any second now. Good. Okay. Well, we should see it come up. I hope so. I'm, I'm just damn tired of hiding all of this from the public. It's not right. Mm -hmm. This happened in our community. We have the right to know. And Pryor can't answer a yes or no question without a private convo. Give me a break. Oh, here we here go. We Coming back. Some of the judge isn't in his seat yet, though. Right, exactly, Carrie. We pay for this. We're footing the bill for all this shit. Yes, the weather is much warmer in Idaho today. Yeah, we're in the All 20s. Right. Okay. Yeah. Woo. Okay, we're going to pop off and hear what's going to happen. All right, we're back on the record on KCR 22-21-16-23, State of Idaho versus Chad Guy Daybell. This is a hearing on Defense Council's motion to withdraw. The court conducted a closed portion of the proceedings to make further inquiry, and then in addition, conducted an ex parte proceeding without the state's presence to inquire of the defendant regarding counsel. And with that concluded now, the defense has presented their argument in support of the motion. So at this time, the court will consider the objection from the state noting that uh, this was a shortened hearing. So the objection was filed yesterday, which I do find timely. I have read and considered the objection and Ms. Blake, if you'd like to present argument in support of the objection, you can do that at this time. Thank you, Your Honor. First of all, the state recognizes that this is a decision that is solely within the court's discretion. I think Idaho Criminal Rule 44.1 clearly outlines that. It does indicate that a motion to withdraw can be granted, or excuse me, may be granted by a court for good cause. The state also recognizes that the Sixth Amendment guarantees a defendant the right to counsel. There have been case, there have been additional courts that have reviewed that and provided some additional interpretations, which includes a defendant's right to conflict-free counsel. The state is appreciative of the court conducting an inquiry today because case law also lays out that a trial court's failure to conduct an inquiry into any conflict may result in a reversal of a conviction down the road. Additionally, the onus is on an attorney seeking to withdraw to present sufficient facts to support the motion. And from the state's perspective, we are a little confused today because we read the affidavit that was presented to the court. We, most of our motion was in response to that. The court has in fact done the inquiry and answered most of the questions the state had, also unsealing the order from the January proceeding where the defendant had referenced that Mr. Daybell was found indigent. 
we now have reviewed the transcript of that and that did answer some of the state's additional questions. One being that there was an actual finding of indigency. The reason that that's so important in this case is because the Idaho criminal rules outline if someone is charged with a capital offense and they're found to be indigent, um, I think the term they use is needy, but the equivalent, and they choose to hire counsel, they're allowed to do that. They can have private counsel of their choosing. However, if they opt to request the court appoint counsel, then there's certain requirements, and that includes having a capital qualified first chair attorney and a capital qualified second chair attorney to assist them in the proceedings. In addition to that, it flags some additional requirements that those defend the public defenders have to um, comply with. And there are quite a few of them in that list that must be complied with. But again, if a defendant opts to have private counsel, I think they do so knowing that their private counsel would not have to comply with those, or at least their counsel should be advising them of that. But they could also choose to forego having private counsel once they're found indigent in order to allow capital qualified attorneys to be appointed. In the review of the proceedings from back in January, it appears that there was a request to have some additional counsel assist on the case, and that was made by Mr. Pryor with his client, Mr. Daybell, present. At that juncture, it looks like Mr. Pryor was advised that if he could find someone else to assist in the case, that there may be funds available to help pay for that second attorney. In later proceedings, it looks like the court revisited that issue when no other attorney made an appearance. And at some point in those proceedings, Mr. Daybell was asked and essentially waived his right to have capital qualified attorneys. He opted to stick with Mr. Pryor. What's frustrating for the state is back in January a year ago, both the defendant and Mr. Pryor were aware of the defendant's financial situation. They clearly presented it to the court for the finding of indigency. At that juncture, they also were well aware that there was no second chair helping on this matter. So here we are a year later, and for the first time, this issue is being brought up that, hey, I actually want to withdraw because I'm not going to get paid. I'd have to work 24-7 in order to be prepared for trial and still probably can't get everything done in time for trial. So we've got two issues within that motion. One, the not getting paid, and the second one, whether or not Mr. Pryor can be prepared for trial. The state tries to be cautious in interjecting ourselves too much when it comes to a defendant and their choice of counsel. However, I think the ethical rules and other rules mandate that prosecutors try to ensure that defendants have the right or are advised and actually have counsel representing them in proceedings. When we look at that requirement of the state, as well as some of the other factors the state has to consider, such as appellate issues, the state tries to be cognizant of those and do our best to avoid creating them. I think that's what the court has indicated here today. The real question is, at least for the state, the finances the state's staying out of, but the real question for the state is, can Mr. Pryor be effective at trial? The state doesn't wanna redo a trial. We don't wanna get through trial and then have an appellate issue that requires us to do that again. While the state is extremely frustrated that this is being filed so late, and we are frustrated for the citizens, we're frustrated for the victims in this case, if this motion's granted, the state fully recognizes it's gonna cause a pretty significant delay. And now the victim's families have to wait that much longer. The state now has to absorb additional costs. It's frustrating. 
But in looking at the big picture, we also want to ensure that we don't have counsel that cannot be adequately prepared for trial. When I said the state was a little confused today, the reason for that confusion is I'm referencing what was said in the motion. What's been presented here in court today is very different. So we have conflicting statements from defense counsel at this point. The motion read as if counsel was indicating, I cannot be effective. If you make me stay on this case, I cannot be effective. The reason I say that is no person can work 24 seven on something. We all have to have time to sleep. We have to have time to do other things. So I know it's a phrase used a lot, but the reality is if working 24 seven, Mr. Pryor cannot be prepared for trial. What he's indicating is he would be ineffective at trial. What he's presented today is no, I can be effective. The motion says, I'm not gonna get paid. I want off the case. Today, what's being presented is no, I'm fine not getting paid. I'll stay on the case. So if Mr. Pryor's representations today are, I'm okay not getting paid and I can be effective, I don't actually know why we're here today. This doesn't appear to be a true motion to withdraw. The concern for the state is we've had multiple continuances in this case, and I recognize there can be arguments back and forth as to who did what and who caused the continuance. But at the end of the day, a year ago, Mr. Pryor was fighting very hard to get a continuance. He filed multiple motions to get a severance. He was finally successful with those in January or January, around January of last year. Maybe it was February, but he ended up getting both a severance and a continuance. Got a year-long continuance. Again, last January, Mr. Daybell had been found indigent. They knew there wasn't a second chair. He's proceeded on the case for a year. He had the benefit of watching the co-defendant's trial. He knew exactly how long that trial was, knew, was able to observe and see how many witnesses there were, should have had a very good idea of what the trial preparation was going to require at that juncture. So very frustrated that we're getting here, but we had that. The request was, I need a continuance to test the DNA. We get past the trial. I'm actually not gonna test the DNA. The state recognizes that different tactical decisions can be made, but it was very frustrating that we ended up with a continuance and severance for something that never ended up getting tested. Now, here we are again, a couple months, I think today is actually two months before we're supposed to start some trial proceedings. And we're hearing a motion again on a request to withdraw where the representations today differ significantly from what was put in the affidavit and motion. So this does appear to be another attempt to simply get a continuance. So the, the state's position on this would be based on the representations today, it doesn't appear this is a motion to withdraw. And if Mr. Pryor's representations today are accurate, then I think the motion should be denied. The one question the state has that has not been answered directly to the state, and maybe the court has this information, is there were some conflicting things also represented about Mr. Daybell and, and his specific position on this. In the affidavit, it indicated he did not want Mr. Pryor to remain on the case that he wanted to have capital qualified attorneys appointed, that he didn't feel it was fair Mr. Pryor wasn't getting paid. Today, at least from the state's understanding is we're hearing that Mr. Daybell does in fact want Mr. Pryor to get paid so he wants him off the case. But then we're also hearing that Mr. Daybell would like Mr. Pryor to stay on the case. And I think that's really the important question today for the state is, does Mr. Daybell in fact want Mr. Pryor removed from the case? He's hired as private counsel. Is he in fact requesting Mr. Pryor be removed to have capital qualified counsel appointed? Because I think that's a different analysis and a different scenario than attorney than an attorney asking to be removed. So the state does not know the answer to that. I think we've- Ms. Blake, not to, I wanna be careful because I had an ex parte proceeding, but in general terms, 
I think it's appropriate for me to advise the state that Mr. Daybell does desire to have Mr. Pryor continue in the case. And as you mentioned, is also very concerned and does not want him obligated to essentially work for free. So that's his overall position in general terms. And I think that's where we kind of um, run into an issue. While he may not want him to work for free, Mr. Pryor was hired privately. If a person has the resources to hire private counsel or if a private attorney decides to stay on pro bono, I think that's the counsel and the defendant's choice. I don't think there's any avenue to allow Mr. Pryor to be paid through another mechanism. I also don't think there's a mechanism that allows a public defender to be appointed to assist Mr. Pryor. I think under the statute, it's if you're indigent and you're asking for counsel, you get a first chair and a second chair qualified appointed. I don't think uh, under the statutes and the criminal rules, I don't see any hybrid system allowed. So I guess the state's concern is if that's the position of both the defendant and counsel, then we should simply be proceeding to trial and this motion should be denied. It's not a true motion to withdraw. If Mr. Pryor is saying I can't be prepared for trial in April, the state's very frustrated that this is clearly just a veiled motion to continue veiled, um, with a different title attached to it. Because that appears to be the true argument today is I need more time. So the state's very frustrated with that. Mr. Pryor's already had a year continuance. I guess from the state's perspective, if Mr. Pryor is going to stay on, we're headed to trial in April. The state's ready to move forward. If Mr. Pryor is saying I can't be effective at that point, then I think capital qualified counsel should be appointed and we should um, move forward with, the, with that counsel appointed and selecting a new trial date. But I don't think Mr. Pryor should be granted a continuance if that's really what's being sought today and that's what it truly sounds like is being requested. All right, thank you thank for you. the uh, argument and response. Mr. Judge, Blake. could I respond briefly? I was gonna allow you a response, Mr. Pryor, so go ahead. Judge, I don't think I've been inconsistent in my representations and my declaration of what was said today. Uh, this court took the time to inquire of Mr. Daybell and I believe what uh, Mr. Daybell related to the court uh, is consistent with what was put in the declaration. Uh, the reality of it is this, is that I disagree with uh, with counsel and I don't know what she's reading or how she's interpreting a statute, but this court entered an order allowing uh, the assistance of a second counsel to help in the preparation of this case and did it some time ago. The reality judge is that there, it's, although I've made a strong and diligent effort to find co-counsel to help me in this, it's, it's, it's been difficult and I haven't been able to accomplish that. And the reality is Mr. Daybell recognizes where we are in this thing and what, what needs to be done in the future. I don't have the benefit of Fremont and Madison County with their five attorneys in their prosecutor's office having free reign to do what they want at government expense. And the fact that the, both of those prosecutors then, in addition to their five, five state attorneys, sought out an attorney from Missouri and at county expense and on the county dime brought an attorney to work on a case that wasn't a death penalty case for the taxpayers of Fremont and Madison County to pay for that attorney, even though it wasn't a death penalty case. And that attorney is still on and still going in this case. And they've expended a significant amount of money. And I suspect it's not at the hourly rate that a prosecuting attorney makes in Fremont and Madison County. I suspect it's significantly higher. And for me to suggest that it's difficult with their six attorneys that they're working on in this case, and I have to do this by myself, and the court recognized right, the workload. You've been on a case for two and a half years by yourself, and they have all these attorneys, and the state carries the burden at trial, and they can prosecute a case they want. Uh, I completely agree with the state's position. The timing here, two months before trial is going to start, 
none of this is new at all. The charges have not changed since the indictment. The co-defendant went through an entire trial, which you observed and knew how long it would take. We talked about this concern a year ago, and here we are on the doorstep of trial, essentially, and uh, the argument that is not persuasive at all to me is uh, you're just learning now how much work it's going to take. Experienced attorneys, which you are, you figure out how long cases are gonna take and you pick and choose the cases you decide to take as a private attorney. And this, this argument that uh, they have more attorneys than you, they do. That's, that's what they've elected to do. And you've also elected voluntarily, as has Mr. Daybell, to come on this case and represent him. And you've represented him since the beginning. And in fact, even since before this case began. And judge, the, the issue also is, is that I, I, per my representation earlier, is that in 2022, I started seeking out assistance and additional counsel. And I made a diligent effort. In fact, I took the extra step of seeking counsel who were death penalty qualified out of the state, out of state attorneys. I then tried to find attorneys on the public defender commission list and made a diligent effort. And then when I found one, I believe in October of last year, my expectation is that he would have been on this case by now. But then we come into late December and I'm finding out that he hasn't been approved or put on the list, even though the court authorized the funds and I'm in this position. As I've said before, Judge, uh, it's not a matter of being ineffective. And for the prosecutor to sort of hint at the fact that I've been ineffective, I would remind the prosecuting attorney that uh, uh, the fact is, is that I don't want to rehash this, but any continuance was the result of them not turning over a lot of evidence and a lot of evidence that I ended up having to go through and make a determination. Uh, so they can't put any continuance uh, on me when it was their own issue in terms of the discovery. Uh, the, other, the other issues, Judge, are simply this, is that having made that effort to find these attorneys and, and, and help me with this case, I recognized that back in 2022. But being able to find someone is a whole different story. And the reality of it is this, is that uh, I'm not making differing statements from what I said today and what I put in that declaration. Uh, I've spent a lot of a portion of my life representing Mr. Daybell, and I would like to have continued that, but he sees the effort that needs to be uh, go, to go forward. And my expectation was in December or November of last year, I would have had an attorney on by now to assist me in this, and that hasn't taken place. And under our current law and the way the law is written and the way the court has interpreted the law, the only way for me to get another attorney and to have Mr. Dable have the two attorneys that he wants and what it was said in that declaration and what is said today is still consistent. The only way to do that is for me to do, make the decision to step away from this thing. And to step away from this thing would guarantee and, and require Mr. Daybell to have two additional attorneys. Is it something I enjoy or want to do? No. Mr. Daybell knows full aware how I feel about this case and, 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 and how I wanted to be involved in this case. There has not been any differing representations to this court. The problem is this, and, and I recognize, you know what, they get to gauge how many attorneys they want. They get to gauge the, the amount of money they spend. And in terms of getting assistance for a defendant, I'm bound by the rules and the way the rules are written by our state legislature. And I'm bound by the statutes and, and being bound by those statutes, I have no choice. If Mr. Daybell's gonna uh, you know, get the trial that he deserves, 
uh, either I find someone to help me, which I did starting in uh, with this court in January, but well before that, and to no avail, or I have to make the difficult choice. And I understand it's two months before this trial. I understand that. And it's not a choice I want to make. It's not a decision that I want, want to make in this case. But that overriding want for me to stay on this case or that need for me to stay on this case is overridden by the fact that Mr. Daybell should get uh, two attorneys to help him with this. I would have liked to have been one of those, but there's no mechanism to do that. So any suggestion that I've been ineffective is ridiculous. This case was severed. This case was transferred to Ada County. And Mr. Daybell would agree with me that I've done everything to strongly and effectively represent him in this case, and he is completely satisfied with what I've done. But there needs to be additional help. And unfortunately, under our current statutes, I don't get that if I remain on this case. And Your Honor, I just wanted to clarify one thing so we have a clear record. Go ahead. The state has in no way insinuated or represented that we believe Mr. Pryor has been ineffective. What we were referencing is based on the affidavit written to the court that we felt that was what was being indicated is if forced to proceed to trial, he would be ineffective because he simply didn't have adequate time to finish his preparations for trial. So I want to make very clear we are not saying Mr. Pryor was ineffective. Um, I want that very clear for the record. I, I understand that, Ms. Blake, and I, I agree the arguments have not been any ineffective assistance of counsel. The arguments have been related more towards uh, going forward in the demands of a two-plus-month trial and whether, uh, given the concerns raised by the defense, a single attorney, that being Mr. Pryor, uh, would be capable of providing all of the defense necessary for Mr. Daybell in this case. So... Uh, that will conclude submission of argument on the motion. I'm going to take a brief recess, uh, review a few things, and then I'll come back on the record to make a ruling on your motion shortly. All right. For oh, God's wow. Sake. <laughs> problems man Prior's got same problems <laughs> our listeners are you guys our chat you guys are absolutely killing me you guys are such yes daddies. but uh, yeah. somebody said is he gonna cry <laughs> yeah well it was getting close yeah and mr daybell really doesn't want me to not get paid but mr daybell also really wants me on this but it's been very clear that he the judge asked chad and chad said i want him to stay on my case mm-hmm I'm yep. so glad he's ruling today because this is insane. Mm -hmm. And Pryor has the gall to say that he hasn't, uh, you know, been unclear and created confusion here. Are you fucking kidding me? He says two completely yep. opposite things in his order, mm -hmm. in his brief and in what he said. And then he says it all again in a big circle. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, God. Jeez, he's almighty. <laughs> but Lindsay Blake, straight up badass. Oh, my God. And I love that she came back and she's like, now, wait a minute. We never said that he was ineffective. Yeah, he said it. On, he said he would be ineffective. <laughs> 
can you imagine what has been said behind closed doors? Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. When they <laughs> saw this from prior, I cannot imagine what <laughs> they must have fired off between each other. I don't. What, what would you guys rule? I'm curious. What would you rule right now? I am very torn. I, the bigger part of me wants to say no. No. I know. Me too. But. You have created and caused all of this. The judge but. has to protect Chad's right. Pryor wants to make this all about himself, but it is not about himself. Yep. It is about Chad and what is mm -hmm. best for him. And, and But, you know, that's been Pryor's entire thing this whole time, his whole shtick. He makes this about himself. Yep. So, I don't know. I mean, it would it concerns me a lot if he doesn't pull him from the case and give him death penalty certified attorneys because that's grounds for appeal. Mm -hmm. Right. I I don't know, man. I don't know. I I, I can't even predict this. I Other than either. if that judge doesn't drink, he does now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he doesn't give a lot away in his facial expressions and tone, but he gave quite a bit away today. <laughs> he did well when he interrupted and was like, you have had two and a half years. Yeah. Where yeah. the hell have you been this whole time? You've had a year knowing that Chad couldn't pay you anymore. I've tried, Your Honor. No, you fucking haven't, dude. Come on. No. Nope. I, Could he take the death penalty off the table and make him stay? No, I do not believe so. Because this that's not what this order is about. This there's no there's nothing before the court to remove the death penalty at this point. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Right, Christy, that's my concern too. That if they leave him on and he doesn't get any more help, then they're just gonna be able to cry an effective counsel later. Or, or he stays on and he delays trial by one month. <laughs> oh my God. You said you weren't ready. You said you need more time. This is absolutely the longest we can possibly give you. I can, yeah. I'm going to give you 30 days. So we're going to delay until May 1st and then we're going to trial. So you better start drinking Red Bull, dude. Mm -hmm. John Pryor has a massive heart attack right before the trial from staying up all night, every night. The whole working 24 seven thing is just insane. You know, mm -hmm. like, what are you talking about? No one's working 24 seven. And when I was glad Lindsay Blake brought it up because you don't usually see that kind of slang in legal briefs mm -hmm. because that's not an actual thing. Yeah. Yep. Here's the, the thing that Pryor could go to trial tomorrow. He could go to trial tomorrow. Yeah. You know how I know? Because there is no possible way Lori's attorneys put this much into her case. We know they didn't. No, they didn't we have anywhere near this amount of time. Because they didn't have this much time. Because... There is no case. There is no defense. That's the thing. 
what is he doing? Yeah. What is he doing with all of this supposedly used time and money? What right. is he doing? Exactly. What has he been doing for all these these years? Like it's insane. Mm-hmm. And the bitching that he can't possibly be ready when he has literally had, like the judge said, two and a half years. Well, and the whole argument that I found a person, I convinced them, they've applied, they haven't heard back. They could have joined the case. Yeah. They could have joined the case. At that point, he didn't have to have a death penalty certified attorney. They could have joined the case. And while right. they were waiting for these things to happen, yeah, they, they could have. have. But He could that... have been getting that person up to, up to speed. But he can't pay them. That's just the bottom line. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have anything to pay a second attorney. Yep. I don't know, man. And maybe never really sounds... has because the payment was the house and yeah. the house isn't fluid. Yeah. But the house could be fluid. I mean, the deed is in Pryor's name. He could sell that house tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So these are my questions with the house. Has he been charging rent to Chad's kids? Yeah. All this time. And... Because I'm assuming he has. But also, did he have a deal with Chad that he wouldn't sell the house until the trial was over? Or did right. he have a deal with Chad that he would hold the house in his name until his kids could refinance it? Uh, or, or buy it from him and get a mortgage and buy it from him and they haven't been able right. to do that? Why is he still holding that house? Right. Why is he still holding that house? And is that the reason, the real reason, that we haven't ever seen him hire a second uh, attorney onto this case? Because... The money isn't fluid and it never has been. Yeah. So he's working for a forward payment right. versus receiving cash flow coming in, except for perhaps just rent every month on that house, which right. where we live right now, for that size of house and property, the rent on that house would probably be fair market value, a couple K, wouldn't you say? Right. Yes. It would. But has Pryor done a stupid thing here, which is his own damn choice, and mm -hmm. done something dumb like let those kids live there rent-free or for seriously reduced rent, mm -hmm. um, you know? But he, there's never been any attempt to sell it. Right. No. Also, what happens to that house? What happens if the uh, a pipe breaks or the furnace stops working or whatever? Technically, he owns the house. Is he had to fix and right. pay for these things as a landlord right He's or the are landlord. they doing i'm just very curious to know what the actual arrangement is you know yeah not that we have yeah, the legal right too. to know but i'm just curious to know what's right. the deal yeah right because the fact that he owns the house but chad's kids chad's daughter and family still live there is very weird mm-hmm mm-hmm <laughs> something, something else, else at the house. house. Oh, that's an interesting yeah. thought. Yeah. Who knows, man? My Who guess is that they were going to pay rent to him until they could purchase the house from him. Uh, and yeah, and that maybe that's the case. Have been unable to get uh, a loan to do that. I mean, the house appraises. I want to say on Zillow that house is somewhere around three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. His kids are all adults. They're adults. They're not, we call them their kids, his kids, but they're, they're adults. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And There's then not the a daughter in question. In the backyard, no. No. Uh, the daughter in question, I'm going to say, is about 30. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then but again, what is it like two acres, two and a half acres of property? I think it's three acres. Yeah. Is it three acres? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. But, you know, whatever the financial deal is, that's Pryor's own problem. And I think that's what the judge is really frustrated with here mm -hmm. is that these are problems of Pryor's own making that really mm -hmm. do not have anything to do with the court or this trial. Whatever he has agreed to financially, that's on him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you mm. think he re refuses to plead due to pressure from the kids? Like, he can't keep lying to them if he admits guilt. Do you think Emma's leading the fight at charge forward? I think all of those things could be possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also think that Chad will never admit that he's done anything wrong. His ego mm -hmm. does not allow that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't know. With Emma, I think Emma really, really doesn't want any of this to be true. I mm -hmm. think that's probably where the biggest amount of pressure comes from. Mm -hmm. Emma and Garth. Because the older kids, the older, you know, older adult kids, they're, they don't appear to want anything to do with this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did plant a garden, I heard, where Tylee was found. No, it actually wasn't. They did. Oh, it wasn't. Till up some land and plant a garden, but it was not. Ah. It was more over by the shed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, because the other thing we don't know is, is there a mortgage on that house? Well, I, there couldn't be if the house has been put into Pryor's name, unless he has a mortgage on the house. Right. Which is possible. Yeah. I don't know. I, we, I might be able to tell you if there was a lien on it. Yeah, it would be worth knowing. If there's a lien on it or not. The, the thing you have to understand is that in the last 10 years, the housing market here has absolutely exploded. I bought my house 10 years ago and it is worth more than three times what I paid for it now. So they bought that house, I don't know, 10, no, more 14-ish years ago or something. So what they paid for it originally versus what it's worth now, there's a significant gain. Mm -hmm. right potato says it it just sounds uh like he's complaining to the judge how much he needs someone to be qualified and do as little work as possible yes and that has been Pryor's bitch from the very beginning about how yeah. much work this is well you took it on and that's what the judge said like um you didn't have to take this case and you watched the trial of Lori. you know exactly what this was going to take it is Emma that still lives there, yeah. <laughs> That's true, Bubbles. Where's Judge Judy when you need her? She'd say this falls under not my problem to prior. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, Amy. I 
I agree. I do have empathy for Chad's kids. I mean, oh, like Amy said, it would be so yeah. hard to accept that my dad killed my mom. You lose two parents at that point. I agree. It's incredible. Lost painful. their whole family. Yeah. Yeah. They've lost so much. Well, and it this. caused so much strife with the uh, Freeman side of their family that they're, you know, according to her aunt in court, they're they, estranged. Yeah, they're estranged now. No one comes around. They don't come for holidays. They don't see them or talk to them. Yeah. They lost a lot. They did. They did. I, I, you know, I, the, the person responsible here is Chad. Yep. But he clearly doesn't give a shit about his kids because he's not making decisions that would make things easier mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. Yeah. Lori's attorneys didn't do much because they didn't have anything. They had no defense. Mm-hmm. There was no defense. And she was completely uncooperative with them. You know, she was just playing the whole Jesus knows me and there were no murders here Mm -hmm. insanity. And so they had nothing to work with. Mm -hmm. They said from the very beginning that they knew they won when they got the death penalty off the table. Yep. No, his his, kids weren't on the dark light list. No, not one we've ever seen. Yeah. But it does make you wonder if they started getting in the way. Mm -hmm. They just blindly followed him through this whole thing. Yeah. No, they couldn't plead insanity. That is not a, that is not a, an option in Idaho. Mm -hmm. And and she wouldn't even try to, you know, do diminished capacity kinds of things, nothing. She wouldn't do anything. No. The fact at this point that Chad isn't pleading, I it's truly disgusting. You're losing your attorney. He can't pay. You have ruined every chance to get any kind of plea deal on the table. You just need to plead guilty and go to prison. Like, what are you doing? Get this over with. Right, Deanna. The fact that they got the death penalty off the table for Lori was sheer dumb luck. It was. It was a mistake on the part of the prosecutor's office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I cannot, I cannot predict what what Boyce is going to (laughs) do. I really can't. But I'm impressed that he's giving us a ruling today. I don't think boys can either. That's why we're still sitting here. Uh, he's probably just trying to contain himself so that mm-hmm. he doesn't do so he doesn't do the reverse of what happened in that uh, court in Las Vegas. <laughs> so <laughs> flying over the at that attorney. <laughs> right, right. It, you're right, Grand. That it was the difference between choosing speedy trial or waiving speedy trial that made the big difference here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's trying to keep himself out of state prison. Yeah. I I think he's pretty comfy just sitting there in the Fremont County jail. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Voice calling judge justice toll. So how do I put this fool in his place? (laughs) Yes, exactly. I love that you said that because I had thought a minute ago, I thought, I wonder if there's any chance he's conferencing with other judges currently about Mm -hmm. 
how best to handle the situation. Just, I would imagine. Voice doesn't do anything that isn't well thought out. Oh, yeah. He's very methodical. Mm-hmm. He's already probably had his decision before. Mm-hmm. A pretty good idea of what he was going to do. Yeah. Well, and I've wondered with some of the things that have happened with the way they're handling cameras in the courtroom with this case and with the Koberger case, if um, there's some um, conferring going on between Boyce and Judge Judge Mm -hmm. or some judge panel, maybe, Mm -hmm. that is helping them determine how to best do this. Right? Could he turn him into the bar for not doing anything to prepare and delaying all of this and dragging his feet and, you know, still not ready after all this time? Because any rational human being can look at this situation and go, Jesus Christ, Pryor, where where have you been all this time? What have you been doing? You guys piling a bunch of petty shit. Listen to this. Mm. I'm switching gears to Delphi for just a minute. Prosecutor McClellan filed for a motion for leave to amend Richard Allen's original charges 30 minutes before the oral arguments commenced this morning. But we don't know what the amended charges are? Uh Uh-uh. Oh, my gosh. What the hell? What the hell? That could be one way to end this. What if they drop the charges against him? Well, they want to amend them. Why? Yeah, why? What is the reason for that? Wow. I mean, not to be the biggest conspiracy theorist ever, but here we go. Yeah. Did they not really think he'd live this long? Did they not really think he'd make it this far in the treatment that he's had this last year? What are they amending? And and what is the thought process there? That is huge. Yeah. That maybe it, it maybe it isn't, but it could that potentially. Well, I mean, these are murder charges. I mean, what are they amending them to? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I agree, Lori. I I I hope that they can face it at some point too. Because yeah, the you know just blaming Lori for it. Lori was in Hawaii when their mother was murdered. Chad was in bed with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, watching Justice Toll put Dick Harpootlian in his place was a banner moment, I think, for many of us. <laughs> God, I loved so her. I she was loved amazing. her. Yeah. We need a lot more judges just like her. I just loved how completely no nonsense she was and how she cut straight to the core of the issue and was like, I had no interest in any of the fluff at all. Yeah. Which is what she should do, but they were spinning a pretty good yarn, you know, of distractions. Yeah. Yeah. Poor parents of Libby and Abby. I mean, they've been through so much already and now to have all of this going on too, like, all of this, yeah. the way this this case has been handled from the jump has been wrong. And yeah. now here we are all these years later. It's just unbelievable. It is. It is. And I, I really feel for them. Like, it, it has got to feel for them like this is never going to be over. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I I agree, Gran. I think that uh, in the Daybell case, that uh, if Boyce doesn't make a referral to the bar over this, I would be very surprised. And there's some reality here that Boyce may feel that he has to remove him to protect Chad's, Chad's rights. I mean, he's he's showing his ass about how um, incompetent he is in this very hearing. Yep. Yep. But that would require a hearing, too, if, if that was the case. Right. But, Unless that's just his justification for granting sure. this because it's yeah. the recordings in front of him. Mm -hmm. Pryor can say all he wants that he's not really asking to be removed from the case, but that is literally what he filed. Mm -hmm. You're right, Grand. Something is very off in Delphi. Oh. Whatever's going on with that case, it's not right. No. No, very much not right. It's a good question. Bonafide says, I wonder if the decision to turn the house over to Pryor was discussed with the kids or if they found out afterward. Right? I don't know. Because How much has Chad involved them or not involved them? <clears throat> For the first year of that house being in Pryor's name, it was actually in Pryor and Tammy's name. Right. It was the estate of Tammy Daybell. Yeah. Oh, we're coming back. All Woo! right. Hold on to your butts, friends. <laughs> All right, we confirm the live streams begun again. We are back on the record on KCR 22-21-16-23. The court has before it the defendant's counsel's motion to withdraw filed on January 11th. I've considered the motion along with the declaration in support of the motion. I've also considered the objection from the state. We conducted a hearing today where I heard argument from the counsel, Mr. Pryor, in support of the motion, the objection by Ms. Blake from the state also conducted a closed portion of proceedings and an ex parte inquiry of Mr. Daybell and Mr. Pryor. And I've taken all that into consideration in determining the ruling on the motion. Uh, the court first is governed by Idaho Criminal Rule 44.1, which under paragraph A talks about leave to withdraw. And I'll just quote that section, no attorney may withdraw as an attorney of record for any defendant in any criminal action without first obtaining leave and order of the court on notice to the prosecuting attorney and the defendant except as provided in this rule. Leave to withdraw as the attorney of record for a defendant may be granted by the court for good cause. So we've gone through the procedural steps to get here for this to be properly considered. The rule allows the court discretion where it indicates the court may allow for withdrawal and then looking at the standard of for good cause. So the court will first note uh, to clarify in this case, this is a capital case. Idaho does have a separate rule governing the appointment of attorneys who are on a roster that are considered qualified to represent 
counsel or represent defendants in capital cases. That's criminal rule 44.3. And importantly, that rule only applies when a defendant is represented by a public defender appointed by the court and does not apply when a private attorney is retained in the case. And also importantly, where the court made reference earlier to questions about uh, the mitigation phase, if that were to occur in this case under Idaho Code 19-2515, an inquiry to Mr. Pryor, and I'll note, and Mr. Pryor has correctly pointed out that the ABA guidelines uh, do apply to public defenders. They are not necessarily required to be followed by private counsel. Private counsel under Idaho rules are allowed to take on a case, capital case, and those guidelines may or may not be elected to be followed by a private attorney. Mr. Pryor clearly is a private attorney in this case, has never been appointed or publicly paid for representation of Mr. Daybell. Mr. Daybell importantly does have the right under the Sixth Amendment of the Constitution to counsel and included in that right is to have the counsel of his choice. And Mr. Daybell elected a very long time ago to have Mr. Pryor represent him in this case. In fact, Mr. Pryor has agreed to take the case and has represented Mr. Daybell not only through the initial stages of the case here where the indictment was returned, but also in a previous companion case and for I think about three and a half years now has represented Mr. Daybell. The court then going back to consideration of the motion before the court. There's an issue here that's been raised by the state about the timing. And of course the court joins in that concern also. Uh, Mr. Daybell has been incarcerated since June 9th, 2020. We've got a trial scheduled in two months. Mr. Daybell's asserted his right to that trial. And although he has waived his right to a speedy trial, certainly this case has taken a long time to get to trial. And at some point, even with a waiver of speedy trial, the court has to consider the timeliness of a defendant in custody being granted their opportunity for a timely trial. That right also applies to the state and the state's right to seek justice for victims, to seek a conviction if they believe they have the evidence to do that and to not have to wait through unnecessary and unreasonable delays in bringing a case to trial. So the court has a duty to try to timely administer cases. And while the rules generally slow things down a lot, uh, there are reasons for that, but at some point the court has to consider the timing here. That's the big issue with this motion, quite frankly, is that the motion, if granted, would absolutely require a continuance of the trial and not just a brief continuance, because what would occur if I grant this motion and Mr. Pryor withdraws from the case, then under criminal rule 44.3, the court is required to appoint two capital qualified public defenders absent Mr. Daybell having some manner of again, rehiring a private new attorney 
or getting one to do it pro bono. The issue there is Idaho has a sparse number of attorneys on that roster and Idaho is currently experiencing a lot of cases that are already resulting in appointments of a lot of available attorneys. And quite frankly, I don't have any idea who would be appointed of the two. I don't have any idea when we could get them appointed. But what I do know is the trial would have to be vacated and would have to be continued. And I think uh, likely for a long time, maybe a year, maybe even more, because for new counsel to come in, start over from scratch on a complex case like this, not have any uh, review of discovery or any preparation, they would have to reasonably request time to get prepared, which would have to be granted. Um, Mr. Pryor was raising concerns about trying to get second counsel appointed. And I've tried to accommodate that, Mr. Pryor. We had a hearing, it was exactly a year ago on January 19th of 2023 and talked about your concern. The way I interpreted rule 44.3, while it doesn't really address a situation with a private attorney together with a public defender, I don't think the rule necessarily prohibits that either. And so I approved that you could have co-counsel if you could find someone, but of course, they would have to be on that approved roster because this is a capital case. I don't doubt that you've made a diligent effort to try to find co-counsel. That's clear to the court. I know uh, we've addressed that over the course of the last year on numerous occasions, the status of whether or not someone was coming into the case. We're on the eve of trial and no one has come into the case. Uh, with that in mind then, the court has to also look at uh, the impact that could potentially have if Mr. Pryor withdraws from the case, Mr. Daybell's required to start over, abandon an attorney-client relationship that's been ongoing for several years, start over with a brand new attorney-client relationship with someone that he doesn't know and we can't even tell him who that would be. And also with the delay, I find that that prejudices the defendant. I also would find that given all of the preparation and time that has gone into this trial setting, which has been scheduled out for a long time, uh, made by both the court and obviously the state in being prepared and ready to go, that there should be a presumption that we maintain the trial date. So the two concerns here raised in the motion really are number one, the fact that Mr. Pryor would not be able to obtain payment for his services. And the court does strongly consider that because uh, attorneys work for their profession and it's important that they get paid and it's a consideration. But that in and of itself does not, in my mind, rise to the level of good cause under the rule 44.1 to grant the withdrawal. The second and I think more concerning issue is some indication in the motion of Mr. Pryor indicating that it would be very difficult, if not impossible, to be adequately prepared for trial. That's what's set forth in the motion. However, upon argument here today also, Mr. Pryor has indicated that he has made steps. I don't find anything in the record that he's been ineffective in his uh, assistance of Mr. Daybell's defense in the case. And so, uh, 
with the concerns today being brought up and addressed directly by the court, both in open and closed proceedings, I don't find any specific grounds indicating that Mr. Pryor has said he cannot and would not be ready and prepared to adequately defend his client, although it may be difficult and he apparently will not be able to be compensated. Uh, it's not in the record that it can't be done. And importantly also, Mr. Daybell has affirmed today, he does intend and would like to keep Mr. Pryor as his attorney in this case. And finally, I'll note that in addressing these concerns at that hearing a year ago, uh, there was a representation by Mr. Pryor who said directly to this court, and I'll quote what was said in the hearing, quote, there's going to be no continuance because I'm asking to get out of this case. That will not happen. And the courts relied all along on those representations in getting this case scheduled. So in balancing all that out and looking at whether or not good cause has been demonstrated today, I do not find that there is good cause for withdrawal of counsel. And so under criminal rule 44.1, upon consideration of that standard, the court is going to deny your motion to withdraw Mr. Pryor. I will note that I've previously made an approval for a second chair. If one can and will join the case, then the court will permit that and we'll go through uh, the procedure to get that properly done. So that's not a foregone conclusion. Given the timeliness of the trial, I understand that may be difficult. However, uh, we are where we are with this trial setting. And because of the proximity of trial and the necessity of a continuance, if this motion were granted, uh, the court finds that the motion fails to demonstrate good cause under the rule. For that reason, the motion's going to be denied. And Mr. Pryor, uh, you will continue to represent Mr. Daybell through these proceedings. That'll be the ruling on the motion today. And I'll note that we do have uh, more hearings scheduled and coming up, including motions and a pretrial conference. So Mr. Pryor, do you have any questions on my ruling? No judge, thank you for your consideration. All right, thank you. Uh, Ms. Blake, any questions on the court's ruling? All right, thanks everyone for your attendance. That will conclude today's proceedings. We'll be in recess. All right. Shit. <laughs> you guys when this court met a year ago and i quote <laughs> yeah. oh john Pryor, you just continue to make an idiot of yourself but yes i get to keep my pearls <laughs> She was sitting like this. Was she? <laughs> Try not to laugh, I'll bet. <laughs> or just to show her face. Yeah. <laughs> oh my oh, God. My God. <laughs> and like we well, already said, we'll help pay for another one and we'll still do that if you just want to find one. If you just want to, you know, put some actual work into this situation that is not just bitching and moaning, but actual real legal work, feel free. Mm -hmm. Wow. So here we are. Yeah, that is amazing. 
I don't know. <laughs> Is it going to come back to bite him in the ass later? It might. But whatever. <laughs> but here we are. <sighs> yeah, and maybe you, we all have any to... questions about my ruling, Mr. Pryor. <clears throat> no, no, thank you. For, you're good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you think he's surprised? Do you think he thought he would waltz out of here today, a free guy? I don't know, because it's really not clear if he really wanted to leave the case or not. I he didn't... just wanted to make it sure everybody knew how picked on he is. Yeah. It's it's more about the attention and the limelight than the actual outcome with I... him. It's just insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe we need to start a GoFundMe for Red Bull uh, for John Pryor. <laughs> Start shipping it to his office. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Judge Boyce is a savage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well, trial's still on. <laughs> For that, I'm glad. Prior I think it's absolutely horseshit to have to put that trial back again and for more time. Right? Can you imagine being married to John Pryor? No. Can you imagine what people must think of him in his personal life? That's right, Amy. Mark Means is available. <laughs> Fortunately, right. that one would be a conflict of interest, but that's hilarious. Right? Oh, yes. This is Whoopi Joe, my puppy here. You might see her a little bit. My little dachshund. She's been sitting in here by me, wanting, <laughs> wanting picked up. So I picked oh, her up. Whoops. She, she hates it if I'm in here and I close the door. She sits outside the door. Mm -hmm. But she has tippy-tappy little feet on my hardwood, and she's very noisy. Also, she barks um, completely randomly at nothing. So mm -hmm. sometimes I got to lock myself away from her. <laughs> Poor sister. Yes, savage judges, two loser attorneys, zero. Yes, bubble. Right. <laughs> And maybe more when we see what Delphi turns out like. I found those charges. They were actually amending, uh, if I understand it correctly, from just murder charges to murder and kidnapping charges. So they're actually adding charges. They're doubling down. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, not smart, but whatever. Uh, wow. <laughs> I can't believe today. I am dying. I can't. After... See, Nicholas Alavertian in court yesterday, and now this, right. I don't even know what to say. So does Chad get a DP lawyer to help him? Probably not, because there aren't yeah. any available. I mean, that was the same thing we've been saying, too. There aren't any. Who are they going to put on this case? Right, guys. We last At last check, we had 13 in the entire state. And we know of at least three cases using up death penalty attorneys right now so that's six yep. yeah so hey i mean whatever <laughs> so what idaho we, could do to make their lives easier idaho could abolish the death penalty we don't put people to death anyway why don't right. they abolish it and right. rewrite the criminal lot, code a lot of things easier on that front and stop having to deal with this yeah. why i, I agree it's such a waste of money and time. It's ridiculous. And, you know, they've been trying to they've been trying to kill Thomas Creech and they've been trying to kill uh, uh, Pizzuto. Hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. 
So the, the whole fight over the death penalty that never happens is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a huge what what at, at the end of Lori's trial, the state was up to seven million dollars spent mm-hmm. in this case. Yep. I believe the state, attorney, the state will pay for this will pay for a second attorney. Mm-hmm. Yep. But but he's had that option for a year mm-hmm. and has not managed to get anybody on the case. Mm-hmm. Is it just because no one wants to work with Pryor because he's such an idiot? Are they all going, why haven't you pled this out? Why the hell are you going to trial? This is insane. I would love to hear from people that work in the Ada County Courthouse, in the uh, Canyon County Courthouse, you know, surrounding Treasure Valley Courthouses. Mm -hmm. What people think of him there before this case? Like, what is he like to work with in general? I, I would love yeah. to hear from some of you guys that work in the courts in the Boise area. What is his re- reputation like? Yeah, I would love to know. Yeah. So Pryor won't get paid at all? I, apparently not anymore. Not any more than he's already been paid. Yeah, it didn't sound like they were allotting more money for him. But for mm-hmm. help, yes. Yeah. But Jesus, he's had a year to get help. It can't get anybody on this case. Why? Is there a plea anymore? Well, we don't know. We know there's been conversations in the past, yeah. you know, with the prosecution. But, I mean, they could have done that at any point. That the prosecution mm-hmm. would be willing to take the death penalty off the table if Chad just pled guilty to everything. Yeah. I mean, he would definitely be in prison without possibility of parole for life. Mm-hmm. Hey, Crystal. But uh, that that would be it. Yeah. 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 Right. I agree, Aaron. I think it's a bigger punishment to spend the rest of your days in prison. Yeah. And then it's not just costing huge amounts of money to the state over this stuff. You know, it, the, the expense alone is ridiculous. Not to mention just the moral and ethical dilemma of we kill people for kill people for killing people. You know, oh, Snow Queen says she's never heard of prior. But then she did see a small claims come through for Mark Means for being a bad attorney. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. Well, I'm yeah. not surprised by that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Will this be a chance now for Chad to plead? Maybe. Right. I, if he was going to plead, why hasn't he already done it? Well, you know, I, I think that the trying to get the death penalty off the table was a big Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. And, and now this. Maybe this is their strategy, is that they're trying all of these different things before agreeing to totally. to a full-on guilty plea. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Interesting. Well, now we know. Well, now we know, guys. That was a hell of a hearing. That's, that's one of the best ones we've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we... we- thought this would be a showdown and by god it was it was definitely a showdown we do literally live in the wild wild west so mm-hmm. i'm not surprised well and... two thumbs way up way up for Lindsay blake because she killed it today and she did more thumbs than i have way up for uh yeah the judge yeah absolutely I so let's uh let's let y'all go we've been here a long time but we really appreciate you hanging out with us today and being present for all of these shenanigans and as usual this case just never stops giving (laughs) 
So we shall see what happens now. Is this going to go to trial in April? Is this any kind of motivation for him to take a plea? We don't know, but we will keep our finger on that pulse. And if we see any changes or hear any secrets, we will let you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know it. We are the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here. Take care. Thank <music> you.